Welcome to this week's Women's Football Podcast. I'm Liv Griffiths and this is our look at the women's game both domestically and internationally. Joining me to look over a packed week of action is Andrew Rayburn from Women's Soccer Coaching Magazine, former FA and Aston Villa media officer Emily Lyles and London City Lionesses Irish international Hayley Nolan. First of all, Hayley, good to see you back in action. You've just come back from a five-month layoff, I believe. Yeah, it was a long five months. Yeah, unfortunately. I had a shoulder injury there at the beginning of the season, um, just before our opening game of the season to Liverpool. I think it happened that Monday beforehand. Um, I dislocated shoulder, so just my made my reappearance in the last couple of weeks, but I'm excited for the second half of the season. It was the Conti Cup quarterfinals in midweek, and there was plenty of action to get our teeth into. Peniel Harder scored a hat-trick on his 50th appearance for Chelsea as they beat West Ham 4-2 in their first game since December to reach the Women's Continental League Cup semi-finals. Harder put the holders ahead on 25 minutes before West Ham equalised through Katarina Spitkova. Erin Cuthbert headed in Anderson's cross to make it 2-1 before Harder notched her second and Chelsea's third just three minutes later. Harder added two more goals in the second half to complete her treble. Halle Hewson scored a second for West Ham with five minutes left, but Chelsea's solid second half display was enough to see them through. Manchester United beat Arsenal 1-0 to reach the semi-finals thanks to Alessia Rosso. Rosso headed in a Katie Zalem free kick as United knocked out the Gunners, five-time winners of the competition. It secured a fourth successive victory in all competition from Mark Skinner's side. United are seeking to win the League Cup for the very first time. Manchester City and Spurs completed the semi-final lineup as they both saw off championship sides. A shock looked on the cards at the Academy Stadium as Alex Greenwood's own goal gave Bristol City the lead. It was two City players who had been on the fringes that eventually saw them home as two goals from Bunny Shaw and one from Vicky Lasada eventually saw them into the semi-finals. City will face Spurs who saw off championship leaders Liverpool. Rachel Williams scored as Tottenham Hotspur beat Liverpool 1-0 to reach the semi-finals of the Women's Continental League Cup. Williams was first to react to Jessica Naz's cross into the box and fired home in the 72nd minute. The victory made it three wins from four in all competition for Rian Skinner's side. Oh, catch my breath there. There was a lot going on in, in midweek. Emily, some really exciting quarterfinal ties, wasn't there? Any that stood up for you? Yeah, I think they were all pretty exciting in their own way, weren't they? There's some interesting scores there, some competitive matches. I think Tottenham's achievement is is fantastic and really, really pleased for Rianne Skinner in that respect as well. Obviously, the first time that they've reached this stage, which is absolutely fantastic and kind of just continues their impressive season to date. Um, I think that result for Man United was pretty eye-catching as well. Um, I understand they are there or thereabouts in the table. They're a good side. They've got good players, but I think to win in that manner and then to obviously withstand that sort of seven minutes of additional time as well was really, really impressive and a really massive result for Mark Skinner and the team. Yeah, they're in good form at the moment, aren't they? Andrew, there's some really good semi-finals coming up as well, isn't there? I saw Emma Hayes tweet about, don't tell me what the, uh, don't tell me what the draw is going to be. I know it's going to be Man City away, but they've actually got the other Manchester, haven't they? 
Yep, uh, Chelsea hosting Manchester United. I don't think United uh, have beaten Chelsea since the Reformation. So uh, uh, the Blues tend to know their way around the big matches, don't they, as well? So uh, Manchester City against Spurs uh, instead. So Emma Hayes, not necessarily uh, Nostradamus on that one. Uh, but it's uh, it's four of the top uh, five in the WSL. So that's going to make for some uh, some interesting ties. Of course, Spurs kind of started Man City's early season slump when they beat them uh, earlier in the season. So it uh, could be interesting. I'm going to back City to edge it. Why don't I stick my neck out? Uh, and uh, yeah, so put your. I- I'm going to go for a Chelsea Man City final. So uh, put your money on Matt, it being Man United Tottenham. Okay, we will, but I'm blaming you if it doesn't come through. So those ties will take place next Wednesday evening. Moving on to this weekend's action, pleased to say for the first time in a few weeks, we had a full round of games go ahead. The big game this weekend saw leaders Arsenal travel to Manchester City. It was a game with plenty of chances at either end and plenty of controversy. Bunny Shaw opened the scoring on 65 minutes, but they had a little help from the referee, Abigail Byrne, as the ball deflected off her in the build-up to the goal, which allowed Lauren Hemp to set up Shaw. Arsenal were rightly furious, manager Jonas Edeval being booked for his protests. But they had the last laugh when in the second minute of six minutes added on, who other than Tobin Heath, the former Manchester United player, fired home after a scramble in the box. That point keeps Arsenal clear at the top by two points. Hayley, you know, as a player that plays in the professional league, it looked like a great game to play in, maybe a little bit frustrating for both teams as it, as it went on. Oh, yeah, definitely. It was a great game, though, and I think it's a credit to Man City to kind of get the first goal, get that early goal and to take the lead and to kind of dominate a little bit in the first half. And then Arsenal kind of, I think, showed their class. And I think Tobin Heath coming on at the end there and 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 sneaking that that tie at the end really, really pushes Arsenal. I think they really needed that point, especially because it's so tight at the top of the table. Yeah, nothing like a last minute goal. Emily, Arsenal will definitely be happy with that, especially as other results this weekend, it kind of keeps the likes of Man City at arm's length, doesn't it? Yeah, it certainly does. And I think it's that kind of thing, isn't it? When you look at the circumstances of, of them equalising as well, that a point is is a very good point. And probably after the game, well, certainly at, at the time, felt like a win, didn't it? And yeah, I think it, it's important at this stage because ultimately we are a good way into the season now to get the points on the board. And, you know, uh, it, it's a pretty good result for Arsenal, I think, under the circumstances. And particularly with, as you say, everything that went around with the game in terms of the controversy and those wider talking points. Yeah, and it's a funny one, isn't it, Andrew? Because Arsenal started the season so well, Manchester City took a while and all of a sudden they've gone in different directions now this season, haven't they? Yeah, it seems to be sort of in the last, well, just sort of either side of Christmas, uh, really. Certainly for Manchester City, they, uh, they've had some impressive uh, results. This was the, the first big test of their revival uh, and although they had to ride out some uh, good spells from Arsenal. They did show their resilience. Obviously, they'll be frustrated at uh, letting it slip right towards the end. Um, uh, but it, it shows Man City are, are back, you know, in inverted commas a little bit. Um, Arsenal, of course, lost five of the last six in all competitions going into this. So in a weird way, although, you know, we'll talk about Chelsea's result in a moment, although they would have wanted to have capitalised you know they'll uh, they'll be pleased to come away with a point in the end. It's one of those things, really. If you're uh, if you're behind, um, uh, you know, a point is 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 going to feel a little bit more like three. But uh, yeah, it, it was a difficult game for Arsenal. It could have been it could have been worse for them, obviously. So they'll be uh, 
they'll be quietly okay with that, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, a point, point away from home, you can never complain. But in second place, albeit they have played two games more, is now Manchester United. They comfortably beat Spurs by three goals to nil. United took the lead in the 38th minute when builder Boa Risa volleyed in from close range following Katie Zellum's corner from the left wing. They doubled their lead four minutes later with Hayley Ladd's powerful diving header from Ella Toon's cross. United scored a third as Leah Galton tapped in from Martha Thomas's cross. United are now on a six-game winning streak and haven't conceded in these games either. Emily, what a result that was from Mark Skinner's side, right? I mean, Spurs, we talked about how good their defence is this season. For them to concede three goals, was quite impressive from Man United. 100%. And I think they've certainly, you know, the old adage, but they've come good, haven't they? I think, you know, it was tricky for them at the start of the season, losing key players, losing some of those big names. But I think, you know, it's that old form is temporary class is permanent and they've still got a lot of capable players. There are a lot of young players and a lot of players that are really making their mark in the league. And to get a result like that against a Tottenham side, as you say, they don't concede a lot of goals. They're organised. I think that result would have surprised quite a few people. Maybe not the victory for United, but perhaps the, the manner and the comprehensive nature of it for sure. Yeah, and it's hard to it's hard to remember it's hard to believe that Man United have only been around for what three four years. They're still relatively quite new. So, Andrew, do you feel like the problem is with Man United is they're probably not going to attract big big players in this transfer window? Do you think Mark Skinner he's kind of been a bit cryptic about it, hasn't he? But they do need some sort of class coming in. Yeah, he he sort of has. I mean, uh, ahead of the Spurs game, he, you know, he said, you know, you're here in due time. It's all being looked after uh, behind the scenes. You know, it suggests that whether he's like keeping his cast to his chest or whether, you know, it's sort of a little bit um, out of his control in terms of, uh, of what happens. That was soon followed by the usual managerial line of we're working to bring people in, but we don't want numbers. You know, we want the right sort of people, which is, you know, true for squad building, you do need, you know, characters that that, that complement the dressing room. But it's also a helpful get out if you don't get deals across the line before the window closes. You can always say, well, it just didn't work out for us. Uh, you know, we didn't find the right sort of people. Um, I mean, they'll have seen Arsenal add from a, a position of strength. Um, they'll be missing Millie Turner for a period. They've got some momentum they'll want to keep up, you know, so... I mean, you can't react to what other teams do around you, but I tell you what, if they're, you know, if they're beaten to the punch by another Chelsea signing or, you know, even, you know, Tottenham, for example, you might find some Man United fans saying, why didn't we get in on the action? Indeed. And speaking of players in and out, Hayley, Spurs had three players on Asian Cup duty. They won't use that as an excuse for losing this game, though. I mean, they're kind of already overachieving a little bit this season, don't you think? Yeah, I think Spurs have been great this year. Um, I think every year they, they put in a decent performance throughout the season, but I think this year they've definitely showed that they're improving and getting better. And I think for me on Sunday when I was watching my night versus Spurs, I thought it was definitely going to be a lot closer, especially because Spurs haven't been conceding a lot of goals. And I think I was extremely impressed by my night to, to score three and to get away with a 3-0 uh, win. Um, but I'm very impressed by Spurs and hopefully they can continue that for the second half of the season and keep pushing and keep um, driving forward. And, and like you were saying, hopefully they get a couple more signings and you never know what they can do uh, for the remainder of the season. 
Yeah, Rianne Skinner's doing an excellent job there. But moving on, and Chelsea are now third, four points behind Arsenal with the game in hand. Emma Hayes, fresh from being named as FIFA Women's Coach of the Year, check out her reaction, by the way, to this, took her side down to the South Coast and in the end fired blanks. Despite not having Sam Kerr, she's away with Australia at the Asia Cup. Chelsea had 26 attempts at goal in the end, but couldn't find a breakthrough. This is the first time Chelsea have failed to score in consecutive league games since October 2018. Andrew, Emma Hayes wasn't sure if this was a good point or not in the end. What do you think? Brighton are, Brighton always come up against Chelsea and get the goods, don't they? Yeah, well, while we're on the subject of, of stats there, you had some good stats, Liv. Um, that's the third time in the last five meetings uh, between the two that Brighton have got a result against Chelsea. In fact, I did some quick number crunching earlier. Of the other, stick with me here, of the other 11 uh, current WSL teams, Chelsea have faced seven of them five times or more in the league. And if you take just those last five league meetings with each of them, the team they've got the worst record against is Brighton. Um, eight points from from five league meetings. They've got 10 against Arsenal, 11 against Man City, a maximum 15 against Birmingham and West Ham, but only the eight against Brighton, two wins, two draws and a defeat. So perhaps in a way, given the the history between the two teams, it is a good point. But uh, um, as you say, not when you pass up so many chances. I mean, when you have 26 attempts at goal, um, you, you know, in a nil-nil, you only need one of them to go in. Obviously, they did hit the woodwork and, and um, you know, Megan Walsh was outstanding. But, uh, um, yeah, you just need one of those to go in and they just didn't really uh, have their shooting boots. Do you feel like those 26 attempts, if Sam Kerr was on the end of any of them, she would have put it in the net? She makes a difference to this team, doesn't she? Well, yeah, you'd think so, wouldn't you? But I mean, they had enough quality in the forward areas to to, to win the game. Um, you know, you might have said the same had Kirby in there and Frank Kirby not. You might have gone, oh, Frank Kirby was in there, definitely would have won it. Um, but of course, that that wasn't the case. Uh, you know, perhaps if Kerr had been available, she might have uh, squandered some as well. You know, it's uh, Brighton defended uh, doggedly, put some pressure on in the latter stages as well, to be fair to them. Um, you know, they didn't sort of... Uh, just sit on a low, in a low block and just uh, you know hope to come away with the uh, the nil nil. Um, they've got some goal scoring problems in themselves, of course. But um, yeah, I think you know Chelsea a bit frustrating for them. And as you say, remarkable to think that you know the, that's the first time in what is it now three and a half years or nearly that since they've failed to score in consecutive league games. Just shows what quality they do have. Indeed, a bad bad day in the office for Chelsea. But Emily. Brighton had maybe lost their mojo over the last couple of weeks. I mean, they they were pummeled against Man City just just a matter of a couple of weeks ago. But this was more light than wasn't it? Like that resilient, quite bodies on the line kind of performance from Brighton. Yeah, hundred percent. And and I think as Andrew alluded to there, they're sort of um, they very much are that sort of bogey team, aren't they? For Chelsea, one that they they do seem to struggle against, but. Yeah, I don't think that should take away from the performance that that sort of resilient, dogged nature, as you say there, Liv. And I, and I think ultimately, you know, yes, Brighton have struggled sort of in recent times, but actually overall their kind of points tally and, and um, where they stand in the table is probably quite reflective of their season overall. They are very, very much a solid solid squad, solid group, uh, fantastic setup. Um, you know, I think they're certainly one of those clubs that, that I want to keep an eye on in, in terms of watching out for the future, in terms of the structure, etc. So yeah, look, really, really good point for them. And you'd have to think that it will give them a lot of confidence because not many people keep Chelsea out, do they? 
Indeed they don't. It's looking very tight at the top of the table, but we're going to draw our attention to the bottom now. And it was looking like a vital win for Birmingham, but they were pegged back to stay bottom of the WSL. Gemma Lawley and Jade Pennock had given the Blues a two-goal cushion at half-time. Reading hit back immediately after the restart through Justin Van Havermaat's header from Faye Bryson's free kick. The host pulled level three minutes into the second half when Natasha Dari sent Emily Ramsey the wrong way from the penalty spot after Emma Harris was fouled by Beatrice Sari in the box. The comeback was completed 10 minutes into the second half when Ramsey was beaten by Emma Harris's sublime volley from Deanne Rose's cross. It was a fourth win in a row for Reading, a club record in the WSL for the Royals, who had moved level on points with Manchester City. Who would have predicted that at the beginning of the season? Emily, Birmingham seemed to be showing signs of improvement under Darren Carter, but it's the results that count, isn't it? And this is another three points squandered. A hundred percent. That's the thing. And I think, you know, as the games tick along and, and, and the situation that Birmingham find themselves in, you just need more, don't you, than the performances. I mean, that at the weekend was a really impressive showing against a very, very good side. You know, they, they certainly deserve to get something out of the game, if not win the game. But ultimately they haven't. And, you know, they're still sat on four points. They're still it still looks quite bleak for them. And yeah, it's a shame really, because I think there's a lot to be said about their performances and the improvement. Um, You know, I think back to last year, some of the discussions that we had on here around, you know, the wider circumstances at the club and how difficult they were, were and are. And I think what, what Darren's done and what, you know, what, what's been done at Birmingham has been really, really impressive, but you have to fear for them still, I think, with the current points tally. Hayley, Kelly Chambers, at the start of the season, I mean, I definitely was thinking she was under pressure and she could have maybe gone at the beginning when they were losing and losing and losing. But they've really turned it around now, haven't they? Oh, yeah, definitely. Like you said, they're on four four winning streak here in the WSL and that's really impressive for any team. Um, I think it's a credit to Reading and it's a credit to what they're doing there at the club. Um, I've got a few friends there from the Irish team and it's great to see them doing doing so well so so recently. And obviously, I think that they were probably a little bit shook when they were 2-0 down to Birmingham there at halftime. They're probably thinking, how has this happened to us? But um, they really turned it around in the second half and got those three points. You've got your Irish friends there. i got my Welsh connections there. Andrew, you know, Reading are only three points off the Champions League place now. Do they dare to dream maybe this season? <laughs> well, I mean, it really, as we've been saying, it really would be something, wouldn't it, if uh, they were to, to threaten that after losing the first four matches. Um, I mean, you know, they're unbeaten in seven now, including the win over Chelsea, which, you know, has kind of put them in touching distance when you look at the table. Uh, if they were to win their game in hand on Man United, that would be two points behind them with a home game against them to come. That's the tantalising bit. Um, Everton and Brighton are the next two WSL fixtures, both winnable. Uh, Everton haven't won at home in the league since September and Brighton, as we sort of kind of alluded to, haven't scored in any competition at all in their last seven games. So, you know, imagine picking up six points from those games potentially. Um, I know Everton did have a a, a comprehensive win at Reading earlier in the season, but, uh, you know, if they could somehow get six from those, then in March comes home games with Tottenham and Man United. I think that will be the, uh, the test of where they are. I think in reality, it may be that top half is the, the best they could expect. But why not dare to dream? That's what football is all about, isn't it, Liv? We've got to give, you know, it can't just be the same teams all the time. Why not uh, Why not uh, team? I mean, Brighton thought they could do it earlier in the season, but why not uh, 
Reading. Why not? Let's let's see Reading get up there. Up the Royals for sure, for sure. Right, but I, even though Birmingham lost, Leicester remained ahead of them despite suffering a late blow at home to Aston Villa. It was own goals of plenty as Gemma Purfield had headed into her own net to give Carla Ward's side an early lead before Leicester levelled through a second-half Hannah Hampton own goal. Hampton in the Villa goal was the busier of the two keepers that afternoon, but Villa won it in the second minute of injury time when Laura Brown's diving, driving run forward deflected into the path of Swiss international Alicia Lehman, who fired home to end their winless run in the WSL. Andrew, massive win for Villa, isn't it? It takes them seven points clear of Leicester now, maybe, maybe moving away from Leicester and Birmingham at the bottom. Yeah, I think that's a that's a huge three points. Um, you know, it's always the 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 why. I mean, how long ever long ago it was that uh, football turned forty years ago, something like that. Football turned you know two points for a win into three points for a win, and that really does make a difference when you're drawing and you've got the one point in the bag. To turn that into three can be huge. At one point, of course, Birmingham were on course for a win at, at Reading, as we mentioned. Had they held out and Villa hadn't got that late goal, you'd be looking at a five-point gap to the relegation place. Now it's nine. So that's the sort of swing we we're looking at. Villa now have 13 points in total. Last season, that was enough for survival by itself. Uh, crucially, they've won all three matches they've played against Leicester and Birmingham. So, um, you know, that's, that's, the, that's the really where they've, they've created that gap from. Um, so that, that should be enough. Yeah, you do feel like it's a two-legged race at the bottom. And Hayley, similar to Birmingham, Leicester, they are trying to find their feet in the WSL, but that was a blow, isn't it, to lose in that manner in the last minute. Does that kind of show maybe the mentality's not quite there with Leicester yet? Yeah, possibly. It's it's a tough one because when at the beginning of the season when you see Leicester's squad, you just think that they're definitely going to compete and do extremely well, I thought, in the WSL this year. And it's it's a little bit disappointing. I'm sure that they're a little bit disappointed in their performances throughout the season. And especially, like you were saying, Aston Villa now have that nine-point gap are kind of like pushing away from the from Birmingham and Leicester City and it's kind of disappointing that now it's going to be a, a two-legged um, kind of fight at, at the bottom of the table but it'll be interesting to see kind of what happens towards the the, the coming games. Yes. I just just wanted to sort of ask Hayley or Emily really for that matter either of you the Birmingham result against Reading being 2-0 up I mean Hayley perhaps is that losing that is that purely down I mean Reading obviously a good side but that is that purely a team there that hasn't really learned how to win those sort of matches, you know, that if they were on better form, would they have seen that one out basically? Yeah, I think so. I think when you go two nil up and you're obviously haven't been doing extremely well throughout the season, um, it's kind of hard to kind of keep battling through in the last 45 minutes. Cause obviously the, the team that you're playing against is really going to come out really strong in the second half of the season. Cause they're going to think there's definitely goals here to, to, to be scored. If a team like Birmingham are going to be leaking them throughout the season and they're going to be very confident that they are going to score. And I think if, if you're a Birmingham city say, and you haven't been winning games, you've been conceding, it's likelihood that that's going to continue to happen if you're kind of two nil up. Um, but I think that's something that the new coach is kind of trying to implement, that if they do go 2-0 up, they can be a little bit more gritty, a little bit more um, compact and make it difficult for teams like Reading and for like teams like Aston Villa to score on them um, because it's important to kind of get points in, 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 this, in this point of the season. 
Um, so hopefully Reading, I mean, hopefully Birmingham can, can continue to do that because they've been scoring goals, which is what you need to do. It's just about not conceding now. That's the most important thing for them. Yeah, so you feel like with Leicester and Birmingham, it's all going to be a case of who can find that consistency first. But, you know, they've got enough time to turn it around, both teams. But Emily, Villa have been doing a few bits in, in the transfer window. And there is a little bit of a story going around about Jill Scott going on loan there. I mean, she wants to get game time before the Euros. It'd be a good signing, wouldn't it? I think it would be an absolutely outstanding signing, yeah. And I think it's probably one that, you know, one of those that works for all parties. As you say, from her point of view, to get that game time is really, really important. And you would have to think she would she would certainly get that there. And yes, they're in a much healthier position than they were, well, probably than they were ahead of the weekend, but just in general, than, and they have been for a lot of the season. But, you know, they still need to be picking up results. They still need to be performing. And, and as professionals, of course, they'll want to finish as high as they can. So I think she'd be a brilliant addition. I also think, you know, her her profile will be good at the same time. You know, I think it will attract people to go and watch them and, and to take more of an interest in them because she's an absolute legend of the game, isn't she? So it will be, you know, I guess selfishly as a Midlander, it'll be very, very good to see that. <laughs> as you said, it's probably a win-win for both the team and for Jill, but we'll keep an eye on that one. Anyway, we're moving on now to an Everton slip below Villa now as they went down 3-0 at West Ham, who now move up to 7th. Everton were ultimately made to pay for their misses. They had two great chances at nil-nil to take the lead, with Hannah Benison and Valerie Govan both hitting the woodwork. Katarina Svitkova bundled in the opener from close range four minutes before the break. Right, here we go. Another, another name that I need to try and say properly. Dagny brinyas Dottier added a second when she slotted in the rebound after Lisa Evans's initial shot was saved. After seeing a goal disallowed for offside early in the second half, Claudia Walker wrapped up in the win, wrapped up the win four minutes from time. Emily, West Ham are the only side, along with Arsenal and Chelsea, who have yet to trail at home in the league this season. That must give them a massive confidence boost, don't you think? A hundred percent. And that's a really, really good stat, isn't it? That's quite remarkable, really. And I think West Ham are another example of a side that you know, struggled last season, but have been really solid, not unlike Reading, really, in terms of they'll give most teams a game. They're doing extremely well. And it's really, really good to see. And that that stat is, is quite remarkable. Um, I think, you know, especially when you think that we're 11 games, well, I appreciate there's not 11 home games, but, you know, a good number of games in the season, they've played top teams as well. That That's absolutely remarkable. And, and you're quite right. I think it... <laughs> They always say a good base is a solid defence and and not conceding goals. So they're doing well in that department, certainly, aren't they? Yes, they're quietly going about their business. But Haley for Everton, we looked in the summer, you know, they recruited quite well. They've even had a change in manager, but it's just not happened for them yet. When do you think the season's going to kickstart for them? Yeah, it's a hard one. Um, I think when everyone saw the signings coming in, they thought it was definitely going to be a great year for Everton. It definitely just hasn't clicked for them at all. And to see them kind of just above Leicester City and um, Birmingham, it's kind of like no one really expects them to be towards the bottom of the league table. Um, I'm hoping that they can turn it around and hopefully have a second half of the season that kind of goes more in their favour. Um, they definitely need to kind of try and get it to click because the more games they don't kind of get results, the closer Leicester City will get to them. Um, and hopefully um, they can turn it around because no one wants to see Everton down, the, down at the bottom at all. 
No, not at all. Big club, big club. Yeah. Right, let's move on and take a look at the championship next. Exercise. It doesn't have to mean Lycra or a fancy gym membership. All you need is 10 minutes and you. Because a regular brisk 10-minute walk is a great way to get more active. Whether that's walking to the shops or getting off the bus to stop early. Picking up the pace and getting your heart pumping can make a real difference to your health. So, to see how much brisk walking you're doing and how you can fit more into your day, download the free Active 10 app. Better health. Let's do this. In the Championship, like their male counterparts, Liverpool travelled to South London to face Crystal Palace. And, like their male counterparts, they grabbed all three points against a Palace side who'd been in really good form. Jana Daniels opened the scoring before Katie Stengel made it two in two games, before Daniels added her second and Liverpool's third before half-time. Rachel Furness completed the route. Emily, what a result that is, going to a team that had such good form and just brushing them aside so easily. 100%. It's, it's a huge, huge result, isn't it? And I think, you know, that's probably one of the games that everyone looked at ahead of the weekend and thought, ah, uh, you know, that's where, you know, Liverpool could potentially slip up. But they didn't. It was a comprehensive win. To go away from home and do that was pretty remarkable. And I'm sure they'll be really, really pleased with their work. But I guess at the same time, you know, it's important to remember and, and to probably know how strong Palace's form has been. You know, I think they'd won four in a row prior to the game against Liverpool, which, you know, is no mean feat. And they're also having a very, very good season. Yes, they are. Hayley, we'll get on to your result next, but it must have kind of helped now, isn't it, with the, the cushion between you and Palace, you know, for them to lose to Liverpool? Yeah, I think I think I was extremely surprised by the result when I heard it was four nothing. Um, I honestly thought Palace might just nip it from them, just based on their like really good form at the moment. And I know Liverpool are playing well as well, but I definitely thought this could be an opportunity for Liverpool to kind of drop some points. But I think they just showed their class and they went out there and they kind of outplayed them and they got the four goals and they left with the three points. Um, yeah, it puts a cushion between us and Palace a little bit, but um, it creates a bigger gap between us and Liverpool. So. It's kind of hard to see which way would have been a better result for us. Yeah, when you word it that way, actually, it's kind of a win-lose, isn't it? Yeah. But your team, London, London City Lioness, has travelled up to Coventry United, who had received good news that the takeover by Midlands-based businessman Lewis Taylor had now been completed. It wasn't their day, however, as substitute Kenny Thompson's strike from the edge of the area nine minutes secured a victory. Hayley, tell us about the game. It sounds quite difficult, maybe just with the just edging it at the end. Yeah, no, I think we were expecting it to be a tough game. I think Cobb have some very good individual players that are very talented. And I think they put in a really, really tough shift yesterday. They were really hard to kind of break down. And it took us until like the 82nd minute, like you said, to score a goal. And that's a credit to them. And it's a credit to what uh, they're doing there. Um, obviously we're delighted that we got the win and we could we could leave with the three points um, but yeah I think Kov are playing well at the moment I think the results haven't gone in their favour but I think that they will and it's good to see that they were saved I mean you know sort of when when the, the takeover and the idea of them going to liquidation was about did that sort of like for the championship teams did it kind of bring you all together to sort of you know just be there for one another 
Oh yeah, definitely. I think no one wants to see anyone in that position, especially, um, you know, when you know so many people on, on the team and it's their livelihood and it's what they've given up other jobs to do. And especially at, at the time that it was kind of announced as well, was just, um, I think, soul crushing for everyone involved in the women's football. But it's great to see that they've been saved. And I think, like I said yesterday, they put in such a good performance and it's so great to see all the girls back out there and, and representing the club. Yeah, it wasn't a great Christmas present for anyone. And kind of what you said earlier, you know, with the gap now between you and Liverpool, do you still feel confident you guys can catch them? Oh, yeah, definitely. I think we're we're a very confident team. I think anyone who's come to watch us play will be very impressed by the way that we're playing. I think we play extremely um, attractive, attractive football. And I think that for us, I think last year when we went to Cobb, I think we may have lost the game away from home. But I think this year we've got this sense of we are going to win the game regardless of what minute we're on if it's still 0-0 and I think we showed that yesterday scoring in in the last 10 minutes of the game um we're obviously very very confident we still have Liverpool to play um in a couple of weeks so I think it'll be an interesting couple of uh games that are coming up we'll all be watching that one maybe we can get you back on if you if you get the win yes definitely (laughs) (laughs) Right. And then in other results, Charlton moved into third thanks to a very good win at Bristol City. Louis Ho-Chan opened the scoring on 25 minutes and Elise Hughes added a second. The result has Karen Hillside in third, two points behind London City, but having played a game more. It was another frustrating result for Durham as they drew at home to Sheffield United. Beth Heppel had given the home side the lead through a penalty Rebecca Rayner equalised five minutes from the end to grab a point for Neil Redfern's side. The result does move Durham back above Crystal Palace, though. Hayley, why do you think Durham aren't quite hitting heights this season? Is it because teams like you guys are sort of just grinding out better results? Or they're kind of always up there, but not quite good enough to go up? Yeah, they're always, always there or thereabouts. Um, I'm a big fan of Durham. I think they're a team that shows great um, unity and everything that they do. You know, they work really, really hard for each other. And I'm not entirely sure why the results haven't gone their way um, this year, because I think last year they would have been playing kind of similar football, but then they might nick a win or instead of the other team winning and uh, scoring in the last minute, they're kind of saving that or they're kind of getting away with one no wins. Um, I think it's good for us that they're not picking up the points and putting on the extra pressure behind us. Um, but I can't I can't say exactly why they're not not getting the results. Um, but hopefully it stays that way for us anyway. Yeah, good thinking that actually. <laughs> And also in the championship, Lewis beat Sunderland 2-0 thanks to first-half goals from Isabel Dalton and Ellie Mason. Both sides had a player sent off, Frida Ayaset for Lewis and Grace McCatty for the Black Cats. Watford and Blackburn Rovers are both out of form at the bottom of the table and they cancelled each other out, which does neither side any good. And moving on now, and we'll look at the National League. Andrew, our stats man, can you tell us what's been happening? Yeah, thanks, Liv. Um, well, Northern Division, it's all very tight. Just three points separate the top four now after Sunday's games. Uh, leaders AFC filed were in County Cup action, uh, giving Derby level on points with a game in hand at the start of the day, uh, the chance to go clear. However, they were beaten 3-2 at Wolves, who remain the only defeated side in the division. Huddersfield a third after beating Middlesbrough. So the situation is, Fylde and Derby have 29 points, Huddersfield have 26, all of them after 13 games. Wolves in fourth also have 26 points. 
They have three games in hand on the others, so they'll be uh, considered favourites about now. As the only team yet to win, Hull City are cut adrift at the bottom, but they were helped out a bit by a draw between Sheffield and Loughborough that does neither side any favours in the battle against the drop. It's pretty much as you were in the Southern Division. Ipswich remains six points clear of Oxford after both won on Sunday. The U's do have a game in hand. Southampton in third were in County Cup action, so we're now 10 points behind Ipswich, but with four games in hand. Between them, the top three in the South have won 34 out of 40 matches. Bridgewater, Gillingham, Portsmouth, London Bees and Crawley Wasps make up in that order a tight, crowded mid-table. Relegation is looking like any four from six, really. Uh, Plymouth did their hopes of survival some good with a vital 2-1 win over Cardiff, dragging them closer to the bottom four. Hounslow look doomed. Their 3-0 lost, lost to Gillingham means they have lost all 12 league games this season without scoring. So it's now 20 league games without a goal, stretching back to March 2020. Uh, this Sunday is, of course, Women's FA Cup fourth round uh, day. Um, two matches actually on Saturday. Um, 11 of the 32 teams come from the FA Women's National League. Uh, three National League clubs will face WSL teams. Bridgewater United uh, host Manchester United, Nottingham Forest entertain Man City and Huddersfield at home to Everton. We're guaranteed at least two National League teams in the fifth round. That'd be good. Uh, with fourth tier Newcastle facing third tier Ipswich and third tier West Brom playing fourth tier Exeter. Uh, two other fourth tier sides, by the way. Uh, also in the cup, they're facing championship sides as Lincoln go to Liverpool while Billericke host Coventry United. Uh, Southampton, hoping to be a championship side in the not-too-distant future, will get a taste of it when they face Bristol City. And Plymouth, who are struggling in the Southern Premier, as I mentioned, meet Championship Charlton in what should be a very interesting game. So, uh, yeah, that's how uh, things are looking below the top two tiers, Liv. Thank you, Andrew. Some nice days out for some of those clubs then in the FA Cup coming up. Right, and up in Scotland, it's an interesting title race. Rangers have recovered from a goal down to beat Hibernian and stay two, clear, two points clear at the top of the SWPL1. Michaela Macaloni gave visitors Hibs a half-time advantage, but Lizzie Arnott's penalty and Jane Ross's strike turned the game in Rangers' favour. Glasgow City had four different scorers in their 4-0 defeat of Spartans. Hayley Lauder got the opener, a Lauren Davidson penalty, Kerry Beatty and Priscilla Chinchilla's goals secured Glasgow's win. Third place Celtic hit seven without reply against Partick's Thistle. Olivia Chance opened for Celtic. Maria Olivesdottier and Chloe Craig each nested a double with Charlie Wellings and Izzy Atkinson adding further goals in the second half. Motherwell beat Hamilton Ackies 2-1 and Aberdeen were 4-0 victors at Hearts. Well, over in India, the Asia Cup has started and the standout headline so far is Sam Kerr becoming Australia's all-time international scorer. She scored five goals in Australia's opening group game win over Indonesia. The Matildas brushed their opponents aside, oh, just the 18-0. Other big winners were China beating Iran 7-0 and Chinese Tape 4-0 and Japan beating Myanmar 5-0. The most dramatic news came on Sunday when the hosts India were forced to withdraw due to COVID. India had drawn their first game 0-0 against Iran, but more than 10 members of India's women's football team have tested positive for COVID-19, meaning they didn't have enough players to field a team, and the team was withdrawn from the tournament. 
We'll hear more about the tournament over the coming weeks. But Emily, it's such a shame for the houses in it. As there was so much excitement for this tournament and COVID once again come and come and spoiled the party. Yeah, it's it's a real shame. I think in these kind of circumstances, the football's important, the competition's important, and the integrity of the, the competition's important. And you want all the teams there and none more so the hosts. But then I think when you look at possible implication on their World Cup qualification for 2023, and I think probably in a broader sense, just how important it is for a country like India to host a tournament of this magnitude for the women's game, you know, for all the reasons that that I guess we saw in any kind of development of women's football to have, you know, their national team on the biggest stage in their own country, such a big thing. And it's just such a shame that, that, you know, they're not able to do that. You know, you have to really feel for them. It is, but like you say, you know, it is football, but health comes first. So we're wishing the team a very speedy recovery. Thank you so much for your time, Hayley. And it's great to see you back in action. Thank you. It was great to be on. And my thanks to Andrew and Emily as well. Thank you for listening. Follow us on Twitter at TWFP1 and on Instagram, the Women's Football Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. Until then, we'll speak very soon.